0: The day before Ramadan, we finally got the carpets in. So, the Mashallah, we had a team of brothers, that, uh, and also sisters, that uh, Mashallah, behind the scenes, had basically put up this partition that you see behind me, all around, so that it would separate us from the toilet area, and also the Wudu facility. And uh, Mashallah, I think uh, they've done a very good job, would you agree? Mashallah, yeah. So inshallah we're very excited to have this program uh, here today on the Sirah of the, of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. there's a number of those podcasts that you can uh, listen to, but you know when it's live it's uh, it's a special feeling, so inshallah Sheikh uh, Farhan will take us on this amazing journey of uh, before, you know, to give us a bit of a history of the Arabian Peninsula, and also the whole uh, how, how Islam, or how, how things were back back then, inshallah. So, without further ado, uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, pass on to Chef uh, Farhan to, uh, to start the ball rolling, inshallah. Jazakallah, khair. Jazakallah khair.
1: ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونعوذ بك من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وشهده الله لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وعنتم مسلمون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فقد فاز فوزا عظيما ثم أما بعد إن الأستق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحدي حدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشهر العمر محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أبا وإنس دزون وادي والشرب سب الله سبحانه وتعالى and Muhammad is the last and final messenger. We send our blessings and salutations upon Muhammad. And at the same time, we also send our blessings and salutations upon the Sahaba. Wallahi, <coughs> <coughs> my brothers and sisters and children. And I wouldn't say uncle because we're all the same age. I mean, I'm only a few months away from 100. So, having said that, uh, this is a religion that came from the Sahaba to us. They were the people. You know, Quran says about them, wa When they heard it, they did it. How many of us hear things and we still think and we do fatwa shopping, you know, we go to Sheikh Google. One of the biggest sheikhs at the moment in the world is Sheikh Google Allama Google Ibn Yahoo. The father died. It was young. In my days, the father was very popular. But now, in the children's time, it's Google. And God knows who's going to be for Ibn Fulam or Fulal in the coming days. Having said that, inshallah, Allah has given me this opportunity to actually talk about the life of Muhammad. The life of Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is an ibadah. It's exactly if you want to understand and if you want to live this religion, you have to know what kind of a person he was and who he was and what his vision was. And if we don't know these things, then it would not make any sense to us. This is not an academic seerah. We're not going to be giving you any theological lessons over here. This is a very objective seerah. Yes, it is a very lengthy seerah. To myself, I've said I'm going to go for at least 80 sittings, at least. So today is the first of them. Inshallah, I will be recording it, as you can see. And if you cannot attend, it will be shared on my Facebook page. And also, I will do a special podcast for this. So I'm gonna give you the link for that podcast. So I'm only gonna spend 30 minutes on his life every week. And 15 minutes, I'm gonna keep it to the youth. And I'm gonna give them a lesson. What lessons they can extract from the sirah. As I said, it's not a subjective sirah. There's many subjective sirahs out there where you can actually pick up a book and read. I want to make it lively. I want to make it for the youth. Because subhanAllah, today if you ask these children, who do they love? They will tell you they love Messi because they know more about Messi's seerah. Or they will tell you they love Ronaldo because they know more about him. But if you ask them, do you love Muhammad? They'll say, yeah, we love Muhammad. Okay, what kind of colours did, did he like? What taban was he wearing on Fatah Makkah when he was going to Makkah? I mean, no child can tell me. If you can, any child can tell me, I'll give you $10 right now. What color of the turban Muhammad Sallallahu was wearing when he was going to Fathah Makkah? Not Muhammad, because he already knows he's attended the khutbah, so he cannot tell me what color he was wearing. He's laughing because he just wanted to say that. Muhammad, I'll give you $1. I'll take the zero out. So this is what it is, if I was to ask you what colour Ronaldo was, yes, we've got a child at the back of it, black, and that's right, he was wearing black colour on that day, so inshallah see Brother Ahmed afterwards, he's going to sort out the finances. So having said that, we know everything about Joe Blow's lives, I mean I call them Joe Blow's because they're not going to help us on the day of judgement. Really, no one's going to help us on the Day of Judgment, except for Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And really, if today I'm going to give you a lesson, so we'll start with the little kids. So this is what you want to learn. Muhammad, Ibn Abdullah, Ibn Abdul Muttalib, Ibn Hashim. So you need to learn this, or I need to listen to this very carefully, because I'm going to be asking you afterwards. Ibn Hashim and Ibn Abdi Manaf. All right, we're going to ask you to go back to these five names. This is the Muhammad Sallallahu his father, his father, his father, and his father. So I'll give you five fathers already. So inshallah, by when we finish the third lesson, I'll give you 15 fathers. So you'll be able to go back to 15 grandfathers as well. So we'll go back to Ismail, and we'll come all the way back to Adnan, and then we'll come all the way back to Muhammad Sallallahu So having said that, really, a lot of people start the seerah from the time he was born. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to start the seerah from the time when Makkah was born. So when was Makkah born? And that's what we're going to speak about today, inshallah. And having said that, before I do that, I want to give you a simple understanding about Arabs. Every Arab over here is the third category Arab. I mean, no disrespect to you guys, you're Abnani Arabs, you're the third one. They're called the Arabized Arabs. And the first category Arabs were eradicated pretty much. They were the Ad and the Samud. But you might have some Yemenis in the background, the Kahtani Arabs, the real Arabs, the ones who actually taught the language to Muhammad So, So we learned there were three kinds of Arabs. So one were the ancient Arabs, these were the Ad and the Samud Arabs. And then came the Kahtani Arabs. And these are the tribes of Jurghum and the tribes of Khuzar. And we're going to talk about these tribes today, inshallah. And so these are the tribes, and so they're the ones who came with the language, and they came and they gave the language to the people who speak the language today, the, Arabis, the Arabs. I mean, for the Egyptians, you must be really proud of Amr ibn al-As, remember that name. That's the guy who taught you Arabic. Amr ibn al-As, he was the governor of Egypt, and he was sent to Egypt by Omar ibn al khattab and at that time and subhanallah I'm, I'm really proud of you that when someone was sent you learn the language we pakistanis so many arabs came we still didn't learn the language subhanallah but you guys acquired the language alhamdulillah so that's why you speak the language so these are the three kinds of arabs that lived and they ever existed so muhammad is an arabized arab because he's from the Al of Ismail. Another lesson for the children today, there's only four Arab prophets. Remember that. Only four Arab prophets. So one is, was sent to Ad, and that was Hud, the other one is Samud, uh, was sent to Samud, and that's Saleh, salam. and the third one is the father-in-law of Musa, and that's Shu'ib, and the fourth one, if you don't know that, then you shouldn't be sitting here. That's Muhammad. So we get into the journey, inshaAllah. And so the whole scenario uh, before we go, why did we study the life of Rasulullah? One of the most important things, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. There's many books. I'm only going to give you three reasons why we study the life of Rasulullah. So when you look at the life of Rasulullah one of the real things, it enables us to love him, to appreciate him, and what kind of a person he was. And it also enables us to become and to emulate his life. If you are a father, he was a father. If you are a child, he was a child as well. And if you are a mother, he was the mother for his daughters and also for his sons when his wife was all around. And if you are a grandfather, then he was a grandfather as well. So he was everything, he was a package. If you're a husband, and mashaAllah, you know, the wives always complain, the husbands are not like, um, you know, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A lot of times I also say to the wives, the wives are not like the Khadijis as well nowadays. So that's why it's very hard for us to become the Muhammads. So inshallah, uh, having said that, the wives can become the Khadijes, and the the husbands can become the Muhammads. So we really have to work hard for that. So having said that, it is a lesson for everyone. Everyone. And the more we learn about the seerah, it gives us so much love for this man that it is beyond doubt. And I want to read some... Things, even non-Muslim, when they learn about the seerah of Muhammad even they start loving him. Michael Hart wrote a book, and this book is about the hundred most influential personalities of the world. This man was a devout Christian. He couldn't even put Jesus as number one. Even Jesus could not make to number two. He's a devout Christian. Jesus could only make number three in his book. He said, Muhammad sallallahu wa is a man that I have studied and I have never come across a leader like that. The other leader in his book is my favorite leader and that's Umar ibn Khattab. He made it 51. Wallahi, I tell you that if I did not have a personality like Usman, I would love to be like Umar. Even the shaitan was scared of him. Maybe if Allah gives me life after this, I could tell you his seer as well. So that's the other Muslim that made the, the book uh, in, the, in his book. So some of the things that say, and these are all learned people, we like learned people. We're like doctors and engineers who sit over here. We like to know about the learned people. One of the most learned people and the leader in our time was the, uh, uh, the President of India, Mahatma Gandhi. You know what he said about, this is a Hindu who worshipped idols. He never worshipped a one God, he worshipped idols, and that's what he's saying about Muhammad الله I wanted to know the best of the one who holds today undisputed sway over the hearts of millions of mankind. I became more and more convinced that it was not the sword that won the place for Islam in those days. In that scheme, in the life of Muhammad, I have never read about a person in my life other than Muhammad This is Muhammad Gandhi. And the other guy, you all know this guy as well, an amazing writer as well, an amazing leader, George Bernard Shaw. And what does he say? I have studied him, the wonderful man, and in my opinion, from far from an antichrist, he must be called the saviour of humanity. He says, this is the man of humanity. Today, we are being blamed for terrorism. People, when they look at us, we're not sure about you guys, but they look at me, they try to take me back to the Laden. I mean, I'm not related to him, if you do think. I may look like him, but I'm not really related to him. He's an Arab. He's, an, he's a Kahtani Arab. He's from Yemen. I've got no roots in Arabs. I'm from the Pashtun clan, from Waziristan. My mother comes from Waziristan. And my dad's a Urdu speaker, comes from Delhi. Got no roots in Arabs, no way. But still, people find me very, very much close and related to the Laden. I don't know if I should be proud of that or not. But yeah, in a way, if they are relating me to the Yemeni tribes, I should be proud of that. They were the Arabs. So having said that, and then there's La Martin, and subhanAllah, these French names start with La, that means no. Maybe their name should be also La France. So if greatness of purpose, smallness of means, and astonishing results are the three criteria of human genius, Who could dare compare any great man in the history other than Muhammad So I tell you, boys and girls, and my brothers and sisters, that if we want to really imagine and the more we learn about his life, the more we'll learn and more we'll fall in love with this man. I want to give you what Ibn Jazi r.a.w. says. Ibn Jazi says there are two kinds of love. He says, hubbul fitri wa hubbul The love that you have in you, that's fitra. And the other one is the one you love someone, you actually want to love someone. And he says the second kind of love, you can only love someone if you know more about him. You know, when you get married, and the husband and wife can relate to it, and we talk about the Muslim marriages where the wife's coming from overseas, and the husband's in Australia, and when you arrive, you don't have that love. You've only seen those photos, and the more you start knowing each other, the more you start loving each other, and the bond becomes very strong. And that's how the husband and wife love is formed. And if you look at the love of the children for their parents, that's love fitri, that's in fitrah. So if the child falls on the face, she says mother, or she says father. That's in the fitrah. So if an atheist, and I said this before as well, even if an atheist falls on his face, he doesn't believe in God, but the first thing that will come out of his mouth is, Oh God, because it's embedded in him to love God. And so that's why, give you two examples, two examples of the love for Rasulullah a man in the history of the Sahaba. Man who was known to ride the horse and at the same time carry two swords in his hand. Both heads were carrying swords. So he didn't hold the reins of the horse and he would control the horse with his feet. And that was ibn al-Awwam anhu you know what, Zubayr ibn al-Awwam is probably... Some of you are older than him. He was only 12 years old. That's what Ibn Qasir writes in the seal. And Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi is being belittled in the street. And what happens? Zubayr ibn al-Awwam runs away and Muhammad looks around, he's not there. All of a sudden, he turns around. Zubair is coming with the sword, a, a sword which is even bigger than him, and he's dragging it, he cannot carry it. And Muhammad looks at him. He's like, Zubair, what are you doing? He says, I came, so if anyone says anything, I'll cut his neck off. And now, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa sallam you can't even carry the sword. And hey, you're going to cut people's neck off. He said, this is the love for Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa And that's a 12-year-old child. Today, you put a 12-year-old child in Tarawih. After the first raqa, his legs start hurting. He starts falling asleep. And the next day, you say, oh, can you please tell Dad, I can't go for prayers. My feet are hurting. And the same child will play 90 minutes for football and his feet are not hurting. Why? Because he wants to become like Ronaldo. That Ronaldo cannot even cover his aura. Let me tell you that, boys and girls. Did you know that a man has a hijab as well? Man has a hijab. It's not just the sisters that you want to cover all the time, it's the man who has a hijab as well. Your hijab is to cover your knees. That's your hijab. How many of you knew? That the man has a hijab as well and you want to become like the man who only shows his knees and then when he scores a goal he even shows his you know eight packs or nine packs and subhanAllah I don't have to worry about any packs because I've got one pack I don't have to worry about anything you know you guys worry about six packs four packs me I only got one pack no problem well, I can't show you that because that's a hijab, so don't ask me, how does one pack look like? So, having said that, this is what the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And the other thing, why do we study the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? When you study the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know why Allah revealed this ayah, and what was the reason behind revealing this ayah? There's a science in Quran which is called asbab al-nuzul, the reason for revelation. You will never know. Why did Allah reveal such and so ayah? You will know the meaning of the ayah, but you will never know what was the reason behind it until you study the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Why? Because Aisha radiallahu anha was asked once, to tell us about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa She said, كان al-Qur'an." His, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi his uh, mannerism is Qur'an. He is Qur'an. You want to learn Qur'an? Then you learn about Muhammad sallallahu You learn Qur'an. And I want to give you one more thing. And this is, this is an ayah in Surah Qasas. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions. And when this ayah was revealed, I mean if I was to just read this ayah out to you a lot of you probably would not be able to tell me that why was this ayah revealed but there was a reason behind it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, tahdi la yahdi This ayah came down he's telling Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam o Muhammad You will not be able to guide the people that you love. But Allah will guide whoever he wants. You know this ayah came down for Abu Talib. Ulama say, and even Sheikh Islam ibn Taniya when he mentions in the Tafsir, he says this ayah came down for Abu Talib. Because Muhammad loved him. You know who Abu Talib was? He was one of the most powerful men. He gave his life for the sake of the honor of Muhammad sallallahu Even when he died, that was the time in Arabs, the culture that we're going to learn in the Sira. Arabs knew the dates. Today we have birthdays. For birthday of Fulan, birthday of Fulan and Fulan. They didn't have birthdays. Back then they had Am. And they said Amul huzn or Amul Feel or Amul Fulam or Fulam or Fulam. That's how they, they knew everything. So when was Muhammad born? Amul So when his uncle died, along with his wife, what did he say to that year? He said, Amul Huzm. He said that was the year of sorrow. And he said it for someone who did not accept Islam. Because this man was the one who looked after Rasulullah from the age of eight. When Muhammad was eight years old, and some of you may be eight sitting over here, he lost his mother. He lost his father. He had no one. He had no grandfather because he lost his grandfather as well. He only had an uncle who took him in. And this uncle stood up for his honor, And in order to understand how much he loved this uncle, inshallah, will cover this in the coming days. You will find out how much he loved. So when this ayah came down, he understood. This is exactly when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Ibrahim, salam, that Ibrahim, you are my Khaleel. You are my friend. You are Khalilullah. But what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell him about his father when he started to make dua for his father? He said, no, you cannot guide anyone. And that's what he said to Ibrahim. And the similar story that we're going to learn about some of the family members of Rasulullah sallallahu that what will happen to them and how will Allah deal with them, inshaAllah. And so that's why we learn the seerah of Rasulullah, so that we know these as bad And one of the amazing ayahs in Quran defines why we learn the seerah of Rasulullah. And this is, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala summarizes this. In Surah Allah says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِيَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ that Allah has made the life of Rasulullah an example for you. So follow it. The one who wants to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala الآخر The one who believes in the Day of Judgment. Those ones. If you want to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you believe in the Day of Judgment then you have to follow the example of Rasulullah sallallahu and you know what? In the same surah, in the ayah before that, what does Allah say to Muhammad Sallallahu He says to him, for you Muhammad, the example is in the life of Ibrahim. For you Muhammad, the example is in the life of your Ibrahim, in the uswah of Ibrahim. That's your example. But when it came to us, he said, no, for us the example is Muhammad Sallallahu And that's what we learn, his here. And these are some of the things, you know, I don't want to go much more into detail, but very, very simply, one of the amazing hadith of Rasulullah And this is the hadith from Bukhari. And uh, the hadith is, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إليه من والده وولده والناس أجمعين. That none of you cannot love and get close to Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam till you love him more than your fathers till you love more than your children and everyone in the whole world you cannot become closer to Rasulullah now I want, you, I want to ask the youngsters very quickly that how much of you really love Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam like that how many of you dress up in a jubba and go out for a party or you want to wear that number seven on your back and you want to walk out. I mean, I don't want to become a that you can still wear number seven, that's okay. You know, I have a number as well, number 19. If I say anything, these kids are going to say, oh, you were wearing number 19 the other day. <laughs> so really, but the thing is, we need to love our Prophet, we need to know who he was. And if we don't know who he was, then the purpose of our life is not being served. On the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, more or less the hadith is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa will be coming towards us happily to embrace us. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, did you know what they were doing in the world? You want to embrace them, you want to make shifa for them, but did you know what they were doing? They were busy in the dunya and they, they never asked, they never thought about you. We don't want to be those people that Allah, wanted. Allah will shame us on the Day of Judgment. You know when we hear the name Muhammad we should be able to tell people what his life was, who he was. Now going back, as I said, everyone talks about the seerah, whenever they go into seerah they start from his life when he was born, and I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to go back all the way, I'm going to summarize the story, I know everyone knows about the story of Ismail and Ibrahim, but for the recording purpose as well, I'm just going to summarize the story, how this all begins. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders Ibrahim and because this was one of the tussle that was going on in his house between both the wives, so in order for the harmony of the house Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders that he leaves one of his wives in Mecca, in Bakkah. Allah actually calls that place Bakkah in the Quran at that time because this is a place, that's a barren land. There's no water. In order for a civilization to exist, we need water. And so that's why if you go into the history of Yemen, they had built a dam which was Seddu Ma'arib. So Ma'arib was a dam where they would collect water. And that's how they had the living over there. And so the Qahtanis and the tribe of the Juham and Khuzaa and different other tribes were living over there. But then no one lived in this area because there was no water. So when Ibrahim leaves Hajar over there with Ismail, smiles a baby. Salam, and at that time, he's going away. Now when he's going away, she chases him and she wants to ask him why is he leaving him there? Why? Are they leaving the child and herself over there? And he says nothing. And this is what Ibrahim is. And I want the men and the women to listen to this. Ibrahim was given test upon test and he passed all the tests. And that's why he was close to Allah. That's why when you read the hadith of Al Qiyamah and the hadith of Miraj, when Ibrahim was sitting right next to uh, Al Ma'mur, he was actually leaning on it. He was inside the Jannah. And when you look at the Jannah, when he's meeting all the other Anbiya, they're in the different parts of the heaven. Allah raised Ibrahim so high because of the characteristics of Ibrahim, what he was. We need to understand, subhanAllah, we've got children over here who are born in Muslim houses, but they've struggled to pray. Ibrahim was born in the house of a sculptor, and this man was building idols upon idols. Idols upon idols. And so he was just making idols upon idols. So you can imagine Ibrahim at that time challenging his father. And again, a 12 to 14 year old kid, as you guys are. And he was challenging his father, asking him, why do you do that? They don't give you anything. So the story goes on, and he says, when she says, uh, that did Allah tell you? And he says, yes, Allah told me. And he knows. He doesn't even say a word. And at that point, she is living and the water runs out and the food runs out. And then the narration says she goes from Safa, one mountain, to another mountain. And this is human nature. You know, human nature, we don't know anything is around us, We do, but we run around, we ch- just run like crazy, just thinking something's gonna fall from the sky. She knew there was nothing there, but she was just doing that, and she hoped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send something down. And then at that point in time, salam comes down, and he bangs on the ground with his wing, and from that, Zamzam comes out. And so you all know the story now, cutting the story very short. Now comes the tribe of Judah, And Judah, because of Sebn when we spoke about the dam in Yemen. This dam has somehow had, you know, become barren. There was no water and they were going into different parts of Arabian Peninsula. And so they're going into different other parts. So the tribe of Judah, when they're passing by, they see these birds flocking and they're going towards a direction. And so now, They knew that birds only come to a place where there is life or there is water. So they wanted to investigate more and they go forward. When they come forward, they see this lady and a child. These people were honourable people. Imagine someone like us when we see someone who is weak. We will pounce on them and we will put them in slavery. These people of jerusalem they were honorable people when they looked at that lady. They didn't say that we're powerful men. They said, we know this water is yours. I will be looking for water. Would you allow us to live over here and also share your water and we'll pay you the rent for this water. And at that time, Ibn mean, Qasir mentions, Haja well, felt really, uh, you know, that she was, uh, felt really honoured at that time. And she uh, was in, a, in that emotion that this world belongs to her. And so, subhanAllah, that's how the civilization starts now. And now, as you know, we spoke about the Arabized Arabs, the third category of Arabs. Now, this is where they learn Arab, Arabic language from the tribe of Jubal. We need to know Ibrahim was not Arab. Alright, so he comes from the place, Iraq, and this is where he was born. And then later on, he travels to Palestine, to Ashab And so, the narration says there are many languages. The Chaldean is the most closest one. You know, you've got the Chaldeans in Iraq. And they still have a language Assyrian and they the Aramaic or the Assyrian language. And that's the language that Ibrahim spoke. And that's the language that was spoken by them. And so he and so now Ismail will be learning another language, and this will be the Arabic language. And now subhanallah it all is for unfolding now. And now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just fast forward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders Ibrahim alayhi salam, now Ibrahim you have to build the Kaaba. And it said the story, uh, what Ibn Kasir mentions in the, his tariqh, he mentions that Ibrahim alayhi salam wants a stone, a beautiful looking stone, to start the house of Kaaba. Now there is a difference of opinion, and this is where a lot of people, you know, argue. That was Kaaba at the time of Ibrahim or was Kaaba at the time of Adam? The correct opinion is that Kaaba was in the time of Ibu- Adam السلام, and somehow it disappeared. Because what Allah says in the Quran, Allah uses the word يرفعوا, to raise, and the Arabs understand what it means. So basically, Allah is telling Ibrahim to raise it. So the foundation is already there. So the foundation was there from the time of Adam So in order to argue to, as I said, Asbab al-Nuzul again, we look at Qur'an and we know what the backdrop of the story would be. So yes, the Kaaba was already there, Ibrahim was honored to raise it. And so he raised it. It's in Surah al-Baqarah towards the end of the first Jews. When Allah uses, Allah says, "Is ya that that he lays the foundation of Kaaba. Now, Ibrahim sent to Ismail, a fourteen-year-old. And imagine, you have we have fourteen-year-old. I've got a nine-year-old. And if I tell him to get water, I'll be lucky to get it by the end of the week. I'll be very lucky. So, if you are about to die of thirst don't ask your children please because you're not going to get it maybe ask your wife she might be more you know show that loyalty and give you that water but again it doesn't mean we well, don't say the sheikh said to ask water i mean the wife can also ask the husbands it works vice versa so if you're lying down if you're you don't want to move just say to your husband please can you give me some water well, it doesn't uh, lower us as well you know the love will only increase. Husband and wife, we have a lot of culture in us that we don't want to do this, we don't want to do that. That's part of the culture. We should work together. You know, we should be able to do, we should be able to do things together. But don't ask the husband to cook because uh, if you want to starve to for the day, then you can ask your husband to cook because the only thing I can cook is a boiled egg and I'm really good at that. So, going back to what uh, we're saying, you know, we deviate, this is, this is what Insan is. You know, we talk about something, we come back to it. So going back to now, he wants the son to get a stone. So he tells this 14-year-old, the son, Ismail al-Islam, to get me a beautiful stone. And that's how I'm going to start the foundation of Kaaba. And now, mashallah, this 14-year-old is not like my 9-year-old, he goes for the right purpose and he's looking for the stone. And he comes back and he sees his father has already got a very good-looking white stone. And he's putting it in the place where he wanted to. And he's raising the Kaaba from it. And he says, Dad, where did you get this stone from? Because I couldn't find what you wanted. And he says, Allah sent it from the heavens. And this is Hajar Aswat. And so this came from the heaven. When it came, it was white. And now it's black, why? Because we want to kiss it and touch it, so we give our sins to it, and we keep on changing it's colour. And really the Ulama say the colour has changed because of the sins of the people that have come over time. And I tell you what, this is my own analogy and I can be wrong, I I stand to be corrected. I believe at the time of Sahaba it was still white because the iman of the sahaba was so enlightening after sahaba when people like me and you started coming that's when they started turning more black and black and black but again having said that now they're raising the Kaaba and now when they're raising the Kaaba Ibrahim a.s. stands at a distance And he stands at a distance, so he's looking at the project. You know when the project manager looks at the house from a distance, and he wants to get the feel of the house, and the sun is putting one layer on the other, one layer on the other. And that's what Qur'an says, this is Maqam Ibrahim. And so this is where Ibrahim was standing. If you guys have been to Umrah and Hajj, you will see Maqam Ibrahim is at a distance from where the Kaaba is. And this is where he was standing and he was watching the whole process. Now fast forward very quickly, Ibrahim alayhi salam, and you know the story, we don't want to go into the story of sacrifice, we all know that story. Now this was just to give you a backdrop. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Ibrahim alayhi salam to call people for Hajj. And when he says to Ibrahim alayhi salam to call people for Hajj, he says, Oh Allah, I will make the call. But how will people come? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, your job is to give azan, And our job is, wa that we are the one who will guide people, will tell people to come. And so Ibrahim alayhi makes that call, and everyone starts coming for hajj. As we know, we go in numbers. And even from that time, people have been coming for hajj. It's not just that we go for hajj. Everyone came for hajj. And now, just going to write at the end of... Uh, and now one thing you need to understand, why I started from the beginning? This place, Arabia, was the region of Muwahideen. These were the people who worshiped only one God. They did not worship anything else. There was, they always worshiped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's why some of the kids over here will go to my school they know there's a dua when we say Ibraheema hanifa wa min al mushrikeen wa ma al mushrikeen and he was not from the mushrikeen so it is really they're saying hanifa is the one who believes in one god and he's a muwahid and he's not from the ones who are uh, one who do shirk billah. And that's why when you go into the seerah, when we learn about uh, other people, even in the time of Makkah, they believed in one God. Even when their fathers and their forefathers were mushrikeen, there were some people who actually believed in one God. And Saeed ibn Zayd, who is one of the al-Basharul, his father Zayd was actually a Muwahid. He was the one who believed in one God. And we're going to learn about this man as well. So, what happens is now, time of Jurhum, if you remember we started with Jurhum, and Jurhum has a battle with Khuzar, and they both fight. ver a, is a leader, is a very powerful leader, Amr ibn Luhay. Amr ibn Luhay is a very powerful leader, and eventually the battle finishes, and Amr ibn Luhay overpowers Jurhum, and he takes over Makkah. One of the biggest reasons to take over Makkah is the supply of water. Now, Juhun is very angry. Before Khuzayr is about to come, they bury Zamzam. So they go to the well and they bury it under the sand. So Khuzayr can never find this water now. And so Amr ibn Luhay now comes inside uh, the Makkah and he becomes a leader. And now he sees there's no water. The wa- he thinks the water is extinct now. There's no water. So he starts extinct uh, you know, importing water from the other lands. One day, Amr ibn al is visiting Sham. And so this is the point now he goes to Sham. And this is the first contact when mushrik, when idols, when Islam, they actually come to Sir Makkah, this region, the Arabian Peninsula. So we'll be mindful of the time as well. So they come to this peninsula. So, what happens is, Amr ibn al gets there, and one of the narrations says he felt sick. But he says when he's going there, he's staying with these uh, tribal people, these people of Sham, or, which is Amaliq. And this is the people, and uh, these are one of the powerful people of Sham, and he's living with them. And he sees them, they have different idols to do different things. So when they want to eat food, they've got an idol, they worship and they start eating. And when they want something, they have another idol, they start worshipping. And Amr ibn Luhay is very curious. And he says, what is this you do? He says, these are our gods. And we worship them and we get these things. He says, that's, that's amazing. We have a problem of water in Makkah. Give me a god so I can take it to Makkah and we can worship it, and so we can get water. And this is when Hubul comes to Makkah. If you guys know on the Battle of Uhud, when Abu Sufyan, we call him he's a Sahabi of Rasulullah when he defeated Muhammad he said, raise the Hubul. Today it's the victory for Hubul. And so they raised, Hubul was one of the biggest uh, idols that the Makkans had. So Hubul comes to Mecca now. And as I said, Awad ibn Luhay is a very powerful man. And what he says goes. When he comes, he says, this is the God of water. We still have the big God that is Allah, but we will not trouble Allah for little things. Water is little. So if we want, we'll go to Hubul now. So he says, whenever you need water, you go to Hubul. And that's why the hadith of Rasulullah, this is a Sahih hadith al-Bukhari, that Rasulullah mentions that he saw Amr ibn Luhay in the hellfire, dragging his intestines. Why? Because he's the man who brought Shirk to Arabia. So his intestines are protruding, they're fallen out of his body, and he's dragging them in Jahannam. And that's his punishment that Allah put for him. Amr ibn Luhayy. So now Amr ibn Luhayy makes this Amr. He makes this command that whoever leaves Makkah, then they have to have this little idol that will, they will take on a journey Because this idol will protect them. Now there are two idols which are sitting on the top of the mountain of Safa and Marwa. One is Isaf and the other one is Nahida. And this story goes back to Juhum as well, in Tarikh Tabari, Tabari mentions a story about this. These idols are the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the time of uh, Jurhum, when there were the Mawahidi, there were the leaders of Makkah, there was, in Yemen, when people were coming for a pilgrim, there were two people who loved each other. And this is one of the diseases that we have in our youngsters as well. When they fall in love with someone, and I don't call it love, I call it infatuation. And it's it's part of the mental health that the society that we live in. We give them so much. We only give them uh, these TV shows and the the kind of rubbish that comes on TV. And let me tell you, I was ever since I came to Australia in 2007. I've seen a show on TV and it's hot like hot cake. It hasn't ended. Home and away. I'm amazed. I mean this series has been going on and my wife told me that this show has been on since she was not even born. So I'm like this is one of the longest series I've ever seen. So in this thing our kids are actually attracted to these kind of rubbish and I call it rubbish. I mean totally it is trash. Because what a uh, personally myself, I wanted to see what these uh, things promote. You would be surprised if you guys watch it. You've got one person loving someone. By the end of second week, the same person loves someone else. So the kind of uh, message that they're giving to our youngsters, it's okay to move from one person to another, to another, to another, to another, and that's why you will be amazed. I'm a marriage celebrant as well, don't think I'm actually advertising myself, I may actually be doing that as well, but having said that, I will tell you the divorce rate in the Muslim community. You will be amazed. Australia's divorce rate, just Australia roughly, is more than 45%. 45% of marriages end up in divorce in Australia. This is not Muslims, this is everyone. In Muslims, it is reaching a hike of more than 19 to 20%. How many marriages I have conducted, I'm actually picking up the pieces of those marriages now. And that's just within one year. And that's just why, because the husband came back from work and the wife said to wash the dishes. And he said, that's the women's job. And after that, the women said, it's my job as well to take divorce from you as well. But having said that, I mean, not all the time the women are being blamed. And sometimes the men as well. You told me to wash dishes and my mother was around, so I want to divorce you now. And that's one of the scenarios as well. well like we teach our children everything, but we don't teach them somewhere. How many of us have taught our children sabr? وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ Allah always talks about sabr in high regards. And amazing that whenever the sabr comes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says jaza'um jannatu wa harir that the jaza of, uh, of of sabr is jannah and you get harir for men mashallah we love harir we're gonna get we will wear silk in jannah inshallah we're gonna wear a gold as well you know blink blink you see the gangsters you can be the gangster in jannah as well so having said that we should teach our children the right manners. And this is where Isaf and Naila went wrong. When Isaf goes to the father of Naila, the father says, I'm not going to marry you because you come from the tribe which is not equal to us. And then another tribal war that we have in our communities. You're not an Arab, so you cannot marry my daughter, you're not Pakistanis. And Pakistanis sometimes can be very fussy. They don't marry anyone else. Has to be Pakistani, has to be my neighbor
0: has to live in the same city has to speak the same
1: lingo and has to walk the way I walk as well I mean I can back Pakistanis because you know I can still go home and I can always say you know we're we're the same but if I back someone else then I have to go a life home as well so you have to be smart and wise as well so having said that Isaf is rejected now and they're going for Hajj so he says to Naila, in the Kaaba, we will go in the night when everyone has finished and they're resting, and we will do the immoral act in there. And then we'll tell our families that they have to marry us. And Atav he mentions they do their immoral, immor- immorality inside the Kaaba. And after that immorality, Allah punishes them by making them stones, as in Ibrahim. And what happens, the leader of Jir'un takes them and he puts them on two different mountains to take heed from these people. And so now he brings these idols down, Amar ibn al and he says to worship these idols because they are important idols and that they will also give us goodness. And that's how shit came to Makkah. And now I will conclude over here, as I can see everyone's falling asleep as well. So, but now I want to talk to the youngsters now, and if the, if the elders want to snooze off and socialise, they can socialise and snooze off. And I want to just give some lessons to the youngsters. And one of the things gonna, I want you to take from the youngsters, and I mean the youngsters now. We worship everything in our lives. You know, we worship everything. And I want to attack the girls first, and I'm going to come to the boys first. You know, as girls, we worship our TV shows. And we worship the high heels. And we worship the designer clothes. And we worship all that. Let me tell you, girls, this is idol worship. Why? Because you want to have that particular thing, and if you're not going to wear that particular thing, you'll be cross with your parents as well, you'll be cross with yourself as well, because you're not going to be able to socialize in the community. And what happens, sometimes... I think the girl got really cross, she's crying. No, you can wear high heels if you want. So, and really, I don't know if that was a girl or a boy, Sounded like a girl. So, having said that, it is the girls at times we fall for the trap because the society wants to free us. And the freedom of the society is to uncover you and is to make you a commodity so that everyone watches you and everyone wants to be like it. everyone can enjoy you but Islam came to free the women from all these immoralities and to raise your status really high and to make you the, the Queens and to make you the leaders and subhanAllah when men say women cannot become leaders let me tell you our mother Aisha was a leader You know, there's a a controversy about one of the battles. Don't want to go into that, but she was actually chosen to be a part of that as a leader. And because of her being there, there was a large number of people that were with her on that day. And she knew so many affairs and hadith of this religion that none of the people at that time, none of the Sahabas, came close to the hadith, which was the hadith of privacy. The hadith of intimacy, and all these other hadith that we learn from our mother. And so now, we'll talk to the boys, inshallah, and my message to you guys. I mean, that's for the girls as well. The social media, the life that you live in. Today, when you look at a boy in a classroom, he cannot open his mouth. He's the most introvert and cannot talk, speak for himself. But if you put a headphone on his head, and he's playing a game, he's the biggest chatterbox in the world. He's saying, he's confident, he's doing everything. He's living the dream. But when you ask the same boy to come and give a speech, uh, uh, I can't talk. But, but when you give him the headphone, He's talking on the other side of the world to someone who does not even understand the language he speaks. But he's going on. And then they want to play football. And the dads are happy. Oh, play football. But I want this, uh, what Messi was wearing. And then you will go to Rebel. You find out this is a $119 shoe that they're only going to wear for eight weeks. And they're only going to wear it in the grass. And it's only going to be dirty. There's nothing else you're gonna make out of it. None of you are gonna make it to Real Madrid, let me tell you that. None of you are gonna be signed by Barcelona, let me tell you that as well. Again, being very, you know, I don't wanna be sounding like that, but some of you have come to that age that you're not gonna to make to Real Madrid. That's come to reality. But the ones at the back, I don't know about you guys, but really the ones sitting in front of me are, are not gonna make any time they're going to make. Even if you make to Sydney FC, you should be proud of that. Sydney FC by the way, if you went to UK and told them Sydney FC, they're going to be like, what Sydney FC? Is that a club? I thought that was a city. So really, none of you are going to make it to Millwall as well. Now you're going to be thinking what's Millwall. Millwall is a third tier club in England. The Coca Cola Division 3. And it pays you $2,000 to play a game as well. That's a lot of money, is it? You know where in comes from? That's from UK. That's my UK accent now. It's just coming out. So, having said that, boys and girls, the society started worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you want to be successful in this life, the ayah says إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ And did you know what the Mufassirul they said? You can never achieve the status of or يَعْبُد You can never achieve that without إِلَّا لِيَعْرِفُونَ You have to know who Allah is in order to worship Allah. How many of us know Allah? If I was to ask you about the 99 names everyone probably will raise their hands and they will say we know." 99 names for so us to ask you give me the meanings of the first ten names and tell me the ayahs that have come in the Quran Maybe some of you can do that But if you can't do that You have to learn who Allah is first in order to worship Allah Allah was always there and that's why the society of Madee of started by worshipping Allah and that's my message to everyone so don't worry about what people say, how you look, how you. If I worried about how I looked, really, I mean, the first thing I would do, I'd have a mohawk like Ronaldo. I still have hair. I am losing hair. Eventually, I will be uh, the, you know, the cricket pitch. Eventually. But not at the moment. And also, the Pakistanis are really getting agitated because Pakistan's playing Afghanistan today. And so, well, the only thing in Pakistani's life is cricket, biryani. If you know a Pakistani, he loves biryani, and then he loves TV more than BB. You know, BB is a wife, and TV is the telly. And if they're rhyming, they subhanallah. In our language, they're rhyming BB and TV. So if you ask him who do you love more than, he'll say TV. And then after that, while he's watching TV, he wants biryani. And with Biryani, he will be complaining about every player in the team as if he can do better than that player. If you put him on the pitch, trust me, he's not even going to be walking from the runners end to bat. But if you ask him about the match, he will give you everything. This man should have done this now and should have done the cover drive, this ball was here. But if you put him on the pitch, he cannot even last for one ball. And that's what I said about the hadith of Rasulullah. And that's what insan is. If it is hot, he complains. If it is cold, he complains. And you know what? Some of you are going to complain after I finish as well. He told us half an hour. This wasn't half an hour. We yeah, complain. And that's what I meant. I said before that, of Allah, right. and I had the podcast as well.